We talk freeway face-off on this edition of Locked on LA Kings with a special guest. You are Locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked On LA Kings, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available whenever, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. On today's episode of Locked On LA Kings, we welcome Jason Hernandez from Locked On Ducks to discuss the Kings-Ducks rivalry as well as what's going on with our neighbors to the south. I'm Eddie Garcia, your host of Locked On LA Kings. I have worked in sports media for almost 30 years, for the past 20-plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network, where I'm a co-host, sidekick, reporter, NHL insider, also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years and a passionate LA Kings fan for the past 30 years. We now bring in our special guest and my first guest ever as host of Locked on LA Kings. His name is Jason J.D. Hernandez. He is the host <laughs> of Locked on Ducks and uh, J.D., hopefully this goes well. If not, I will blame you uh, entirely for this not going well. But hey, uh, yeah. appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see how this goes as a uh, as the Kings Ducks rivalry is about to be discussed. How are you? I'll just start off by saying this: Hey, Kings fans, did you miss me? You can't get rid of me, can you? <laughs> uh, well, that was that was before me, but you and, yeah. you and Sarah apparently. Uh, uh, had some time together that didn't come out very well uh, but no good to have you back on the locked on kings channel with me uh, as your host now so this is the first time we've had a chance to chat uh, yeah. and, and I mentioned uh, on an episode not long ago uh, about who the king's rival was and to me it was an easy answer uh, it's the ducks um, but there were other kings fans who who disagreed and I, I, I phrased it poorly because I said who are the who's the king's rival and who is the team you love to hate? And to me, it's the same. Uh, but for other people, it wasn't. Some people said they think the Sharks is the King's biggest rival, but they hate the Golden Knights the most. So mm-hmm. it, it varied. But obviously, there, there's this, you know, we're in the same area. Uh, there oh, is hard a agree. certain... Hard, hard agree on the team to hate, by the way. <laughs> it, okay, it could, be, it could be more. I said it's personal, right? It could be more than one answer. But so let me, let me ask you the question. At, for you personally, and what you think... Uh, being a host of, of Locked On Ducks, what key, what Ducks fans think uh, is the biggest rival in the team you love to hate? The biggest rival is the Kings. It is more of a geographical rival, and it wasn't really a rivalry until 2014, until that epic seven-game series, which ended in Tamu Long's retirement. So it was a double-edged sword for me. It was a rivalry, but it ended. it ended being kind of a friendly rivalry because you had two teams battling for supremacy in the Pacific division. And it ended with ducks and Kings fans. By the way, I I will never forget this ducks and Kings fans, both simultaneously chanting. Thank you. Tamu at the end of that game. That's something that I know ducks fans will never forget. I mean, Tamu's last ever hockey game. So to me, that added a different layer to the Kings ducks rivalry where I said, you know what? Like, I can't hate 100% because everybody came together at that moment. But it is the geographic rival, and it is now the historical rival as well. Well, it is one of the great things about the sport of hockey. Even in the most intense and sometimes violent 
uh, you know, moments, there's still a handshake at the end of a playoff series. There's still that mutual respect amongst players, even if they are rivals. Uh, and you're right. I was actually at that game as well. I was with one of my best friends in the world who is a Ducks fan. I know it was a very difficult time for him. Uh, but of course, the Kings went on to, to win the Stanley Cup. And that was the only, that's the only playoff matchup that, that the Kings and Ducks have had. Are you a believer in that uh, rivals are made in playoff hockey? I really am. I, I think rivalries can be sort of started in the regular season. I mean, the exception recently would be maybe Colorado, Detroit, because that was a whole different beast altogether. But as far as geographic, there's a rivalry, but when it's the playoffs, that's when it really becomes a rivalry. So that's why I say the Kings are as well. But there's other rivals the Ducks have had in the past. Detroit being a big rival of the Ducks, there were years and years where the Ducks were upended by Detroit over and over and over again. And the Ducks only beat them twice, only two times in the playoffs out of a bajillion times that the Ducks actually best of Detroit was 2003 and 2007. Both times the Ducks went to the cup final winning one of those. Those are the only two times they beat Detroit. And the other recent rival, the Natural Predators. I cannot stand the Preds. They beat the Ducks over and over and over again. And I got sick of hearing that freaking song over and over. You, you know what song I'm talking about, so I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to yeah, say it, but yeah. that song. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned I, one of my best friends is, is a Ducks fan, and he and I have come to an agreement as far as we don't really discuss the Kings and Ducks with each other. I know that... You know, there are different types of fans. And, and we talk about it being a rivalry because, you know, I look, like I said, one of my best friends is a Ducks fan. I work with people who are Ducks fans. They work with Kings, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it seems like it's more, though, of a rivalry between fans than it is on the ice. There's really not a lot of bad blood there at the moment. And I don't know what will change to make that happen. But unfortunately, when the Kings and Ducks play for me, it's a different game amongst the fans. But on the ice, there's I don't sense that that hatred, that bitterness between the players. Do you agree or disagree? I agree with that completely. I think that goes back to the respect that both teams have for each other. And that goes back to the respect, and you can attest to this, even a few months ago when you had Ryan Getzloff and Dustin Brown retiring. Remember at the end of that game? Yeah. Jonathan where, Quick? Yeah. Even yeah. Jonathan Quick kind of applauded. Like, he did. It is that kind of respect that I love between the players. So while there is more rivalry off the ice – on the ice, it's more of a respective rivalry. Do you like that? Or would you like to see it uh, at times get a little bit more over the line and a little bit more intense? I think at the moment, I prefer having that respect just because of players that are retiring. And there's going to be more players retiring on the King side soon. I know Kopitar's kind of, you know, he's been playing for a while. Dowdy's been playing for a while. Quick's been playing for a while. So... I would sense that there would be some respect there. But I think in the future, when you have the youth of both teams coming up, I think it will spawn a different kind of rivalry. And I think that's where you could finally see some bad blood on the ice, something that we've been looking for for the past 28 years. Well, let's talk a little bit about the two teams. Are They seem to be in different 
areas at the moment. Uh, the, the Kings obviously made the playoffs last year. A lot of people, I think, are going to have them as a trendy pick, maybe even to win the division this year, although I, I wouldn't go that far. But And the Ducks are obviously uh, in, a, in a rebuild. They've got a new general manager. I want to ask you about that in a moment. But, uh, you know, a lot is made about the Kings' young talent, and yet I think the more impactful, more exciting, bigger names as far as the young talent Certainly Trevor Zegers for, for Anaheim, the runner-up for the Rookie of the Year. And I know Mason Marchment is really putting on a show so far at the World Juniors. So it seems like uh, even though maybe the two teams at the moment are in different areas of the their you know rebuild or resurgence, uh, there's some very young, exciting, talented players on the Ducks. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could talk about Trevor Zegers for about an hour here. You know, he was runner-up for the Calder last season. I agree that Mo... Should have won that, but Zegers was right there. It was a one-two neck and neck. And when you have great talent like that, that brings excitement, not just to the Ducks, but to the game itself, where you have, you know, Trevor doing that alley-oop pass to Sonny Milano. You had the Michigan at Montreal. You had the Michigan again at Arizona. And those are the kind of plays that will break the internet, so to speak. And now you have a guy that's lighting it up at World Juniors, Mason McTavish, who I've I've been pumping his tires for a while. And you know what? I'm going to keep pumping his tires altogether because when you have players of that caliber that can create offense, and as far as McTavish, he can create offense either down low on the low slot or work his way around, I guess, around the wing area. That's exciting for the Ducks. But that's still a year or two away from really materializing because they're they're kids. They're still kids. I mean, McTavish, he's 20. Jamie Dreisel, he's 20. They can't even drink yet. They're still so young. It is sometimes Trevor, we do we do forget that sometimes, don't we? Yeah. Oh yeah. And Zegers is only 21, by the way. Only 21 and already scoring goals at will. So can you imagine them in about three, four years if they keep that core together? My God, that's gonna be fun to watch. But right now. They're still young. They're still learning. They're still learning not only the system, but they're learning the NHL game as well. When you play in juniors, going to the NHL, it's a different beast altogether. We've seen time and time again players struggling to translate that game from juniors in college to the National Hockey League level or even the AHL level because I I watch the Ontario Reign a lot. I can attest to some of those players that had struggled at times. I know Gabe Velarde struggled at times. Um, Turcotte struggled mightily for a while, but part of that was due to injury. So as far as the Kings, they're just about right there. Getting Kevin Fiala was a big get. For the Ducks, they're almost there. Almost. Well, I do want to ask you about a player that they acquired uh, this offseason in a moment, but I got to ask you about Troy Terry. Is this guy for real? Because... Look, there were a lot of Kings players who had career years last year, like Adrian Kempe, Philip Deneau, Trevor Moore, but they didn't have career years like Troy Terry did. Uh, his first 129 games, he had a total of 15 goals. 75 games last year, he had 37. Uh, is that is this the real Troy Terry? Did he just take a little longer to develop, or did he does everything just go right for him last year? I mean, the the real Troy Terry, please, stood up finally. This is the player that I had been high on for years and years and by the way my favorite current ducks player not just because of that but we're birthday twins september 10th by the way so there's that little connection there uh terry i think can be a systematic player at times 
but at other times he can break out and get one-on-ones or create two-on-ones so he's got that speed right now he's he's also still young troy terry is not a veteran player he's still young he's he's still getting to that point where he is a late bloomer and i think he will only get better but he's right there 37 goals i yeah i'll admit i didn't have him scoring 37 goals i had him scoring 25 to 30 37 was a big breakout year and part of that can be attributed to the lines that he was with he played with adam henrique for times he was on that power play unit he had offense generated for him by a trevor zegris by sunny milano by all these other complementary pieces that together fit for him and the one guy that i thought was best for him on that line the recently retired ryan getzloff who as you know ryan getzloff not a goal scorer but he'll get apples for days and that's where a lot of troy terry's goals came from was assists from ryan getzloff so this season is going to be fascinating to see if he's going to get more opportunities like that if there's going to be more playmaking from trevor zegris or if there could be playmaking on the power play with zegris maybe adam henrique again so this will be fascinating probably the most for troy terry to see if he could replicate that or get even better and also finally to see who he lines up with this coming season so we talked a little bit about a few of the younger players. Uh, one of the more veteran players is goaltender John Gibson. And it seems like his name comes up a lot in trade rumors. Is there, I mean, is there a lot of smoke? Is there some fire around this smoke or is this just smoke? I say it's mostly smoke right now. John Gibson is the franchise goaltender right now. And it, I don't think you can get something of equal quality back for John Gibson, if there was to be a trade. And you, you got to think about what John Gibson has gone through. He had a stellar first half of last season, made the all-star team, by the way, last season. And you saw it in the numbers. I mean, the analytics were very good in that first half of the season. Second half of the season, not so much. He kind of fell off. He also got used probably too much last season. The Ducks could have relied on Anthony Stolarz more, and they didn't. They could have brought up Lucas Dostal more, and they didn't. Gibby just got, he got worn down by the end of the season. And even on games where he was playing lights out, the Ducks put up no goals in front of him. So it was enough to drive any goalie crazy. John Gibson, I know, wanted to break out the taser once in a while. But I, I got to give it up for John Gibson having having the good puck control and having the good rebound control for a while there that's the kind of player that we want to see throughout the season so i think it's mostly smoke but we'll see how this season turns out and see how the first half especially turns out if gibby uh, might i mean i think he's gonna stay i think he's ultimately going to stay and a lot of it could be smoke from other teams that desperately need a goalie hello new jersey hello toronto <laughs> it, it's those outlets that are creating more smoke we're talking with jason jd hernandez your host of locked on kings uh jd do you play hockey at all by the way Are you a hockey player? yeah i i, I played hockey i played a lot of street hockey as a kid played some ice well i play beer league hockey uh twice a week and uh sometimes when i need a little extra i reach for a built bar Specifically, the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff Built Bar. It's real cookie yeah. dough chunks covered on 100% real chocolate, which sounds amazing. 
Uh, it's actually good for you, built with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Why not eat something that tastes good and is good for you? Go to Built.com and snag a box for yourself. Whether you need a snack or a workout or late night treat, uh, Built is the perfect protein bar that tastes better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that is the promo code LOCKED15. Yep. And by the way, have my Built bar later. Training for a marathon, too. In... Three months. Oh, yeah. That is impressive. Uh, That's something I'm not going to do. So uh, (laughs) good luck for you on that. New Uh, York City Marathon, by the way. Wow. Wow. That's uh, that's impressive. Good for you. That's a big deal. Hey, I do want to ask you about the new man in charge of your uh, Anaheim Ducks. That is Pat Verbeek, their new general manager. Uh, A lot of people seem to be very excited about getting a new voice and a new direction for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Your thoughts on that hire? And uh, if you're confident this is the guy to... uh, Get the ducks to where they want to be. By the way, super nice guy, by the way, Pat Verbeek. Um, they called him the little ball of hate, did they not? When his playing days, wasn't he one of the little ball of hate? Well, isn't that ironic? <laughs> they called <laughs> it, him that. Know, it, is, it, is, it is funny because, you, you know, some of the enforcers, some of the tough guys, they always say they're usually the, ni- the nicest guys off the ice, but yeah. Oh, I, I could go on for days about Stu nice Grimson? guys off the ice. Stu. Love me some Stu Grimson. Andy Mack, another one of those guys. and for, Stu Grimson, former king and duck. Yeah, rare. Yeah, anyway. love, love Stu. So it, it's guys like that that are total pandas off the ice. I'll give you one former king, <laughs> Curtis McDermott. Curtis Stanley McDermott. Cup champion. Oh, my God. I cannot believe Curtis McDermott is a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, I know. And one of the only guys that I fake fought <laughs> for a picture, by the way. <laughs> but... Yeah, Pat Verbeek, super nice guy, and doing all the right things right now. Where part of it is trying to get the—I hate to say it this way—but to get the stench of former GM Bob Murray out mm. and bringing in all these new guys. You know, there's new assistant coach, there's new personnel, there's new players, there's a lot of new pieces all around the Ducks organization right now, and we're seeing it on the bench and we're seeing that with players the ducks getting some new players and the kind of players that he drafts as well you know you could talk about drafting a russian player by the way first time by the way that the ducks drafted a russian player or from russia in over 20 years by the Mm. way it had been that long so we're already seeing some changes in there and we're also seeing the kind of players that pat verbeek likes he's He's not the kind of player that will go for like a Marty St. Louis or someone. I mean, I'll be realistic. He doesn't typically go for the shorter players. He likes size. He likes grit. He likes having those kind of players that are going to create offense in front of the zone. So when I think about how optimistic I am, I'm very optimistic. Already seeing the big splash that the Ducks have made in free agency. Already seeing how they did with this year's draft. It's a very exciting time to be a Ducks fan, and it's going to be fun for the next few seasons. And I could see them returning to prominence probably in the next two to three seasons. I think the rebuild is now at that next step, and they're almost there. And Pat Verbeek helping lead the way. Well, you talked about some new coaches, but the head coach is still the same. Dallas Eakins is entering his fourth year as head coach of the Ducks. Obviously, he's not Pat Verbeek's hire. We know how that goes sometimes. The GM wants his own guy. 
Uh, is there a short leash on on uh, Dallas Eakins for this season? If things don't go right, could you easily see uh, a change being made? I think the leash is shorter because it's a one-year extension and that's it. This is kind of a show-me-what-you-got type of contract. And look, he's been in hot water for the past two seasons. It started in 2021 with the infamous benching of Trevor Zegers for an entire period or having him healthy scratched multiple times. So Dallas Eakins had been in the hot seat for a while. He was in the hot seat last year too. And I know there were a lot of fans that were surprised that he came back for one season. And I think part of the reason is going back to Pat Verbeek. I think Pat Verbeek realizes that the Ducks are not there yet. He's he's being realistic about this. You do not want to bring in a new coach right now while the rebuild is still going on. And if I could see this happening, maybe Eakins would stick around for just one more season or maybe half a season, and then you could bring in fresh blood the following year when the Ducks are ready to spend that money to extend Trevor Zegers, to extend Jamie Drysdale, to extend all these players, get another core piece, and maybe maybe they could bring in someone else on a big contract. Well, you mentioned one-year deal. You mentioned excited about offseason. Uh, a lot of people were surprised, I'm sure Ducks fans included, to see that defenseman John Klingberg signed a one-year deal with the Ducks. Uh, for a I'm lot not. of people, the most coveted uh, free agent defenseman on the market. Uh, so what is your feelings on this? Obviously, he helps your team now immediately, mm-hmm. so that's good. Uh, but it, it, are you optimistic he could maybe sign long-term, or is this, you know, we're going to move him at the deadline and get some assets for the rebuild? I'm going to humble brag here for a second. You, you called surprised. this? Did you call I this? called this. I called this months right. ago. I said, if the Ducks are going to go after anyone, it's going to be John Klingberg. And I'd been eyeing his name. You could go back and listen to episodes from two, three months ago. I'd been having a target on Klingberg for defensemen for the Ducks to get, and they did get him. And part of the reason was the Ducks needed to get off the cap floor. And the Ducks knew that they could spend the money because, well, they had to. I mean, they were below the cap floor, so they had to spend the money. As far as the one-year deal, I would have liked it to be a longer-term deal just because that makes their defense instantly better, and it also makes that core better on the offensive, and it makes the team more fun. As far as a one-year deal, I think this is a show-me contract, and this could go one of two ways. If the Ducks have a spectacular start to the season and they do well and make a run of the playoffs— he might be apt to stick around. The weird thing about this one-year contract is, is there's a no-trade clause until January 31st. How often do you see contracts where the no-trade deal or the no-trade clause tr- changes in the middle of a season? You don't see that too often, do you? Right. Yeah. And that's a curious date because that's around the All-Star break, and it's more of a barometer to see how the Ducks are doing. And of course, trade deadline being a month later, if he could be flipped at the trade deadline, he could possibly get a first round, maybe a first and another high draft pick in this upcoming very sought after NHL draft. And like many fans around here, you got to be excited about this year's upcoming draft, you know, looking at Connor Bedard, but there's a, there's a ton of pieces there. So if it goes poorly in the first half of the season, then he probably will get flipped and the Ducks will be looking f- for at least a first round pick 
and maybe more to build for a big future. One final question for you. I did want to get your thoughts since you called the John Klingberg and you're, you're clearly uh, someone who understands and knows the future. Uh, just your quick <laughs> thoughts on the Pacific Division. Uh, who do you think uh, is going to be in the playoffs? Do the Ducks have a chance this year? Uh, just give us your quick thoughts on the Pacific. First off, I will disagree that the Ducks will be in the bottom. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll disagree on that. Um, Where I do are think. They I think I think they're in the middle. I think they're fourth or fifth in the in the division. I don't think they're seventh or eighth this year. This it's not going to be a repeat of last season. I think they've come too far in the development. And when you add Nick Tavish to the mix, which he should make the team, I could see them making a push. Now the Oilers are still very good. McDavid, McDavid's mad. He wants to get to the cup final. After the way last season ended and after the whole fracas in the offseason i think he's going to be hungrier than ever and he might play 34 minutes a game in the playoffs again i mean i was at that game six of staple center where mcdavid played 31 minutes in game six and single-handedly led the oilers past the kings and i saw mcdavid single-handedly get past the calgary flames in that second round so if there's a guy that can single-handedly lead a team, it could be McDavid. So they could be up there. The Flames did get better with Huberto. They did lose players, but also adding Huberto is a big get for the Flames. So I think they'll still be up there. The Kings should be up there. I have the Kings second, by the way. All right. In the I'll division. take that. I do not have them third. I don't have them in the division, but I have them as a second seed in the Pacific, and yeah. the Kings will get around or two in the playoffs as far as other teams look the golden knights finally missed the playoffs <laughs> wait can can i just do this really quick <laughs> yeah, of course how, how does it feel vegas how does it feel to miss the playoffs huh huh yeah they talked so much crap as you know yeah. they talked a lot of crap to both kings and ducks fans for years we were both sick of it yeah i mean i i know i was sick of it so to see them faltering, I mean, I feel bad for Robin Leonard, but now Logan Thompson is your number one goaltender. The same Logan Thompson who had trouble even in the AHL. That's not going to cut it. And Vegas can't exactly go out and get a free agent goalie because they don't have the money to spend. So goaltending, they're in trouble. They could fall as far as sixth. Wow. This could this could be the free fall year for Vegas. As far as the Canucks, they're almost there as well. I think the Canucks and the Ducks are going to be the two fringe teams in the division that could make a push for the playoffs. Those are my fringe teams. Sharks, sorry Sharks, it's another down year and the Kraken, they're still they're still learning. Right. Well, uh, JD, it was great having you. Uh, you know, I tried to do some things to make, make, I mean, look, this was a very civil conversation, even though I have, uh, my hatred for the ducks, I wore my uh, Dodger hat for you. I know you're a big Dodger fan. Uh, although okay. this is, I consider this my LA hat, uh, cause it's black. It kind of goes with my King stuff when I go to Kings games, but I know, and, and the people are watching on YouTube, you've got a Kings and a ducks Jersey behind you. You've got the old Kings, uh, Burger King. Uh, jersey as they like to call it. i know you are a jersey nerd kind of like me so i did bust out my uh my most prized possession here i've got my luke robitaille uh jersey from the Hot. mid 90s uh it is uh autographed as well by uh number 20 
Hot. So there you go. I wanted to uh, I wanted to share my uh, we both have a passion for for hockey for we both hosts of Locked On and uh, we, we both love love jerseys as well. So uh, it's got some good things. Even even Kings and Ducks fans can agree on some things sometimes. Oh yeah, I mean. <laughs> Not even Kings fans will agree on the Burger King jersey, though. I mean, that's true. Yeah, it's now that, become something of a collector's item. But at the time, uh, there was nobody that really liked that jersey. But uh, I don't own that one, by the way. That's not. I have not added that to my collection. Maybe someday. It's it's a fun one, um, and I I know you said that like I talked to jerseys. I mean, I'll come out and say it since you wrote it out for me. So I did talk jerseys with the former host of this show locked on Los Angeles Kings, Sarah Mpato. And we talked about jerseys and she's also a big Jersey nerd. Like you are. I mean, you talked with her multiple times, you know, how big of a Jersey nerd she is. And I don't know if you saw her Twitter, but she just added one. Oh, one of my, yeah. Um, these two are two of my favorites. So the Burger King one, I, I just had to get it because a lot of fans hate it. <laughs> and also because it's such a weird time in hockey history when you had these bizarro jerseys come out. So that's one that I love to hate. The other one, the my, that's the Ducks one, probably one of the most meaningful ones to me because that was one of my first jerseys that I ever got. That was back during the movie days. And that was back when one of my favorite players, Paul Korea of all time, when he was with Anaheim and he was scoring goals at will and making all-star games, that, that was the iconic jersey. Every kid wanted to be Paul Korea, plain street hockey. Every kid wanted to be like, I'm Paul Korea. I'm Paul Korea. You know, that that's meaningful. So the Ducks jersey, and I purposely did get the Ducks jersey because it was a little big on me at the time. And I was like, I'll grow into it. I'll grow into it. And I eventually did. So I still have that one. But neither a Kings nor a Ducks jersey was my first jersey. Neither one. All right. My, my first jersey that I still have to this day that I really liked. Now, this one's kind of a weird story. I'm also a big fan of announcing, and um, I'll have you mention it really quick while I grab the jersey for a second. Okay. Um, public address announcing. Yeah. yeah. I did that um, back in my college days at Fresno State. I did some public address announcing. So, uh, yeah. I know you you do it as well. Yeah, I still do PA. I do PA announcing for multiple teams. So the first jersey that I ever got is a Buffalo Sabres jersey. Old school, because one of my favorite announcers of all time, Rick Jenneret. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I love the Mayday call. I love the fa-la-la-la-la-fontaine call. And I've always liked hearing his calls. So this, this was my first one and happened to get, like, the really old version, like, the stitched on, like, you know. Very nice jersey. Yeah. And another one that I really like that's kind of like meaningful to me because, you know, I'm a Latino that loves hockey. Patos de Anaheim. <laughs> Love. Look, I I know that there's not a whole lot of Latinos working in hockey in general. And to have the Dia de los Muertos hockey jersey, I thought was a big get. And that one will become more meaningful because I am going to put a name and number on the back of it this coming season. I'm not going to say what it's, what's going to be back there yet, but it's going to be pretty meaningful. So that one's, that one's a fun one for me as well. All right. Well, JD, it was great to get to talk to you for the first time. Really appreciate your time. I know we're uh, looking forward to the upcoming season. You never know what could happen. And uh, maybe we'll, uh, we'll say hello to each other at a uh, freeway face-off game at some point this season. But uh, again, yep. thank you so much for your time. Best of luck on the locked on ducks podcast. And uh, it was great to meet you. You too. Take care.
So again, thanks to uh, JD uh, for stopping by and uh, thank you for stopping by as well. Uh, I want to remind you to keep up to date on this show and what's going on with the LA Kings. Follow us on Twitter. We are at Locked on LA Kings. If you'd like to send me an email with any comments about any of the shows that we're having, uh, the email address is LockedOnEddie at gmail.com, E-D-D-I-E. And thanks for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on NHL. Locked on experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast of all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on the hockey world. Locked on NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Again, thanks you so much for listening. Thanks to JD for joining us. I'm Eddie Garcia. As reminding you, as always, go Kings go.